What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Drum and Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so actually a lot to talk about today, so we'll just go right into football. Uh, sure. So, football is weak. Uh, not really anything controversial, so it's, it's pretty good week. Um, I got, you know, controversial, controversial. Uh, but mostly just contract extensions. So it's kind of uh, nice to see the news be focused a little bit more on football this week, uh, personally. Uh, so going into everything, first contract extension signed um, that I'll go through is going to be Derrick Henry. Um, I assumed he was going to be playing on the franchise tag after signing it earlier this year. Uh, yeah, it wound up working out a long-term deal with the Titans instead. Um, the deal's going to be worth approximately $50 million, and I believe it's a four-year four contract extension, um, and this is going to be $25.5 million uh, guaranteed. Uh, so in terms of that deal, you know, having a top three back in the NFL over the next four years is a pretty solid uh, deal for the Titans. $50 million over the four years, it's about $12.5 million a year. Uh, you know, not, not really overpaying him, not underpaying him. I think he's paid just right. Uh, $25.5 million is a little bit, I think, too much in guaranteed money. Especially with the back, like, Derek Henry's a big bruiser. Um, he's likely to get injured along that path. Um, you know, I'd say out of the four years that he's signed to, maybe he'll play three years out of that four. You know, not necessarily he'll miss an entire year, but, you know, miss games here and there. Um, I think it's bound to happen with a back like Derek Henry and the way he, he bruises and, and really runs through the defense. Uh, ultimately, you know, really good running back, top three running back in the NFL. It just comes down to the question of um, how much cap is he taking away and will he stay healthy? If he stay, if you manage to stay healthy, play all, through all four years and put up some good numbers, obviously he's going to be worth it uh, for that price. So not not a bad extension there by the Titans. Um, we'll have to see how it works out. You know, he, it's not nothing like I would say like a Le'Veon Bell type of signing where the Jets paid him what was it like a hundred million, um, a lot more money, and they, the Jets have gotten little production out of Le'Veon Bell so far. Not that he can't get productive, but so far that's not paid off for them. So overall, pretty good contract for the Titans and Derrick Henry as well. Uh, so, moving on from there, the next contract extension would be uh, the Browns winding up signing Miles Garrett to a five-year extension for $125 million. Um, obviously, it's, what is it, $25 million a year. Yep. Um, a lot of money, but, you know, pass rushers in the NFL nowadays call for a lot of money. Uh, Miles Garrett, um, personally, I expect Miles Garrett to continue to step, take steps forward. Um, after being the number one overall pick 2017, he's been, he's been pretty solid. Um, you know, he had a big season in 2018, and then he was, um, you know, last, last season he hit through his helmet at uh, Mason Rudolph, so that was kind of a nightmare for the Browns. You know, it's kind of this, this one incident for Miles Garrett so far, as long as it doesn't happen again. You know, I think the, the Browns are going to be very happy with this extension. Um, getting a pass rusher, such defensive end like Miles Garrett is going to be big for that team moving forward. Um, you know, I, I do expect him to be probably over the next three years probably be top three at least pass rushers slash defensive end in the NFL um, really good extension there it's, it's nice to lock down Miles Garrett for that amount of time and again pass rushers in the NFL come at a premium and $25 million a year is a ton of money um, but you know when it comes to like Miles you know pass rushers and quarterbacks are going to really run you run your money up in the NFL so they had to do what they had to do uh, lock in Miles Garrett for the next five years uh, moving on from there, we had the next contract extension was the Chiefs. They wanted up extending uh, Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, four years, $85 million. A little bit more money than I probably would have given him, but $85 million over four years is not bad. Um, you know, I'd say top five uh, interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Um, really important part of that Chiefs defense. He's one of the players that I did expect to re-sign. After they re-signed Patrick Holmes, I said they're going to have to re-sign some of these players to long-term deals. 
when it comes down to who are they going to resign versus cut, they can't afford to pay everybody unless somebody takes a pay cut. Um, Chris Jones obviously did not take a pay cut, but I did expect him to get paid. Again, I think they may get rid of Tyreek Hill uh, due to the fact that they have McCall Harmon on a cheaper rookie contract as well as Tyreek Hill has had some off-field issues. Um, you know, th- that combination of things and the f- with the fact that they have a pressing need to clear up some space uh, in terms of their cap space moving forward, um, I think they may let Tyreek Hill walk. Uh, but they do have Chris Jones over the next couple of years. You know, you got to keep that group together as long as possible. It's a Super Bowl-caliber team. Obviously, with them winning the Super Bowl this year, so it's like, how long can they keep that group together? And Chris Jones is a vital part of that group, so uh, good signing for the Chiefs. Maybe a little bit more than I would have paid, but not bad. And the final uh, signing, which is not a re-signing, I guess. And no, it technically is. It is a re-signing, my bad. Um, is going to be Jason Peters, uh, offensive lineman for the Eagles. Uh, signed to a one-year contract. He's 38 now, which is incredible to me because I think of Jason Peters. He's been pretty good over the past three years or so. You know, it's still one of the top-tier uh, tackles in the league. You know, not as good as he once was, but at 38 and still being able to give the pass protection for Carson Wentz in the in the run blocking for Carson for the entire Eagles team that he's giving at the age of 38 is pretty incredible. Um, you know, as long as they get him on a decent deal, which I'm not sure if the number was exactly released yet. Um, I don't think the number was released yet in terms of his contract, but. Uh, you know, overall, I don't think I, I doubt the Eagles paid over too much for him. There's not too many teams looking to sign Jason Peters at 38 years old, but you know, final part of that offense for a couple of years now, and to bring him back is going to be pretty big for the Eagles, especially with losing Brandon Brooks, who was you know a uh, really big loss for the Eagles even before the season started. So bringing back as much offensive line tackle as possible, talent as possible is going to be really important. Uh, Jason Peters again, been been there for years, been really good. Um, you know, not as good as he once was, but he'll still offer some. Uh, a serviceable offensive lineman uh, for the Eagles moving forward. And that about covers every all the re-signings, every and all the re-signings for the NFL. Um, with that being said, I think we're moving into the NBA. Um, Brian, go ahead. So uh, with the Disney bubble basically starting, all the players have arrived and everything, or the players in the initial arrival, uh, there's been a lot of scandals that have gone on. We talked about uh, last week with... What's her name? What's her name? Uh, What's the... Did we talk about Rachel Nichols last week? I think we... No, we did not. Oh, we didn't. I don't think we did. Okay, so... No, it happened during this week. Okay, I guess I'll add that. So, I'll start with Rachel Nichols. Um, So, she was basically... I'm just going to go through all the scandals because I was pretty confused because it just seems like there's so many, but... So Rachel Nichols, who hosts uh, The Jump on ESPN, uh, has a room in one of the Disney hotels, and in that room they have a feed that allows her to basically host the show uh, from her room, and that created a security issue because one of the ESPN workers, they think it's an ESPN worker, was able to use that feed to basically record a phone conversation that she was having with someone in private, uh, the phone conversation was recorded, then sent to Deadspin, which I'm not very familiar with, but I'm guessing it's one of like those TMZ-type things. And basically the phone conversation was supposed to show her as basically a backstabbing employee trying to put herself ahead while putting others down. I don't think... They didn't release the conversation, uh, which I don't think they plan on, but it seems like it's was supposed to sabotage Rachel Nichols' career, but it's going to sabotage whoever that ESPN person that recorded it was. At some point, I'm sure they're going to find out who it was. 
but that um, reminds a lot of people of the Aaron Andrews situation that happened. I think it was like two years ago, maybe something like that. She was, she was. I'm not sure how she was recorded, but basically there was. She was recorded in the nude, and that's even worse than the situation. But I mean, it's just a, such an invasion of privacy and something that they definitely have to figure out. And I wonder how they go about doing that because obviously she hosts the NBA The Jump. Next up, which is probably one of the bigger things that's happened, is called the Snitch Hotline, which that's definitely not the official title of it, but uh, basically the NBA set up a hotline for players and I guess other personnel that are living in the Disney bubble to call and report other players anonymously for doing things that go against all the rules that the NBA set up for safety with obviously the coronavirus whether that be wearing masks all the time or not self-isolating and things like that. And there, that's created a lot of controversy. Many players have been speaking out saying don't use the snitch hotline. Basically, the main reason is because they don't want to be a snitch and tattletale on their, other, uh, on their teammates or other players in the league or, I guess, anyone. And in my opinion, I think that's very dumb. Um... I'm sure people have very differing opinions, but they're putting everyone at risk by not following the rules that the NBA set out. I mean, the rules that the NBA set out, there's no other reason that they have them other than to safely play the rest of the season and for people to blatantly not follow the rules and then people to not use a thing that the NBA has for them to anonymously... anonymously report someone for doing something wrong seems stupid i the biggest person that's really talked about this is spencer dinwiddie there's been other ones i think javel mcgee but i could be wrong with that spencer dinwiddie had an interview and he was basically saying like don't use a snitch hotline john moran too john moran yeah uh i don't really know i don't i can't really think of a reason slash heard a reason why not to i don't know nick do you have anything about that um, sure. Before I even talk about that, I just wanted to say about the Rachel Nichols situation. Um, like, I, personally, I hope whatever she said over the, uh, whatever on the phone doesn't get released. Like, no matter what she said, she could have said the worst possible things imaginable, right? And uh, no action was taken because of it, obviously, because we'd know about it. If there was this phone call this conversation that she had led to some, some action, right? Whatever it was, it was just words. And whatever words she said, again, think of the most wor- po- worst possible thing you could think of. Um, to, to hack into her, her privacy yeah. and to listen to her while she's in her a, a private room where, you know, if you're in your own home, you don't want, and, you know, everyone likes to have privacy and, you know, she should have that privacy. No matter what she said, you can't hold it against her. And I hope those tapes never get released because she did, above, above and beyond all, like, everybody has a right to privacy when they want it. And obviously that was violated for, for, by her, uh, from her, so... You know, I hope that doesn't get released. I think um, been said they weren't going to release it. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I, I think that whoever's an employee should be fired. Um, that's not right. Um, so moving on from there, in terms of the, the hotline, you know, I'm kind of conflicted about it because obviously um, you know, the, the rules are what they are for safety, obviously. Um, but the question is, is like when they break the rules, like how bad, you know, they order a pizza or something like that. Like, to call, get somebody in trouble over, like, ordering a pizza, it just seems like a bit much, yeah. you know. 
and, and at the end of the day, like I think everybody in that bubble is going to break the rules at some point. I'm sure those. I'm sure the rules are a lot more extensive than even what the media puts out. Like I'm sure, you know, wearing a mask here and, and doing that stuff like that. You know, that stuff can become tedious at times. Sometimes you forget. So I think at some point, all the players are going to break the rules in some way, and just to, like, to have them all calling on each other is, is it, you know, it's not a great environment to be in, especially if they're going to be trapped with each other for the next few months. But again, at the same time, if somebody's blatantly breaking the rules, then, you know, again, these rules are there for their health, and it makes sense. Um, it's obvious, and it's a good thing that they have these rules. It just comes, you know, it comes down to question of, like, weighing, like, is it worth calling or not? Right. But to say to never use it, like, I, I you know, I, I think it's, it's, there's validity to both sides of the argument. Yeah, I, I, the way that I've seen it is that the players just are blatantly against it, the ones that are against it, and no matter the size of the going against the rules, no matter if it's like a small little thing or a big thing, they're just totally against it, which I don't understand. Um, but whatever. Off of that. So some other things. I'm not sure if these players were reported on or just kind of happened. So two players have been put into self-isolation for breaking uh, the rules. Bruno Caboclo, who plays for the Rockets, and Richon Holmes, who plays for the Kings. Uh, both of them are now self-quarantined. Well, this is from like five days ago or something like that. Self-quarantined their hotel rooms for 10 days whenever that started. Um, I'm pretty sure, actually I had the article up. Just if it would load, that'd be cool. Uh, Caboclo Kabaklo, is that how you say it? That's a racket. Do you know? I have no clue. We just traded for him. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure we picked him up during the um, during the trade period where we traded Capella. He, he he got moved onto our team during that time. So, gotcha. I, so yeah, I don't think he's ever. I don't think he's ever touched the court for us. <laughs> so Kabaklo said that he inadvertent inadvertently left his hotel rooms during self quarantine, and that could be like something Nick said. It's just like a small mistake that he wasn't thinking. Uh, which doesn't really bother me that much. Neither does uh, the Richon Holmes one. He said that he had left quarantine, so this was after the self, self-isolation period. So for those that don't know, there was a self-isolation period, I think, for seven days once you got to your hotel rooms. And then once that ended, it was there's like a quarantine in the Disney bubble. And apparently Holmes said that he briefly went over one of the like campus lines to get a food delivery. Who knows how true that is, if he knew or not, but that's what they're saying. And neither of them, neither of those situations really bother me that much. It seems like small little things. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the players uh, complaining about the living conditions. This is something that's really bothered me. Um, it started with Rajon Rondo comparing a Disney hotel room to a Motel 6. Um, then players like Joel Embiid and J.R. Smith. There's been others, but those two mainly have... Uh, commented on the food that they've been given and complaining about everything and the food doesn't bother me as much but Rajon Rondo comparing a Disney hotel to a Motel 6 just shows how far off they are from like where society is at this point I mean it's always bothered me how much these players get paid and I think it bothers a lot of people but when they just even if they don't mean it it comes off as such like spoiled brats complaining that they're living in a Disney hotel, which isn't, like, just a motel on the side of the road. It's a... They're very nice hotels, um, and they're in some of the nicer hotels, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's in the Grand Floridian, which is one of their nicer hotels, but whatever. Him com- him comparing it to a Motel 6 is so... Just... I, everyone's been talking about it, but it's so bad. Um, it's totally 
not aware of the situation at hand where people are losing their jobs day by day. Some people don't have food to put on their plates because of the situation. And J.R. Smith complained about eating Velveeta mac and cheese. Sorry, you might have to eat that for a couple days. I mean, it's not like... I was looking... Some of the foods that they were giving, I mean, sure, it's not like five-star, but it wasn't that bad either. I mean, so it's just total disregard for what's going on in the actual world. I'm sure you have something to say about that. I 100% agree with you, Brian. Like, the fact that they're complaining is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting at the Grand Floridian. That would make more sense to me. You know, I've stayed there once in my life. Mm-hmm. I went to Disney it was maybe like 10 years ago. I stayed at the Grand Floridian. Let me tell you, this is like the nicest hotel I've ever stayed at. And the fact that my family could afford that, even I think we stayed there for like two or three days, was like a blessing. Yeah. The, like, that, that hotel is beautiful. I'm a little over the top. I'm like, I'm going to the music park rides. Like, why do I need this? Why do we need this expensive <laughs> hotel that has so much stuff that I'm not even going to use? But that's another story. Um, but the fact that they can't, you know, think about this. I think 99, over above 99% of Americans right now and 99% of the world probably would love to be able to live in a bubble where, where it's safe from coronavirus, be fed nothing but, but you know, decent food, you know, none of it's, as you said, bad quality, and make millions of dollars to play basketball. And after, outside of that, have nothing to do but go fishing and, and you know, it's hardly even work for them. Yeah. Love 99.99% of the rest of the world would love to be in their positions. And the fact that they complain about it is really ridiculous to me. I've seen some of their food. The food at Disney is solid. Like, there's nothing wrong. I've had it. If you've ever been to Disney, you've had the food there. You know, is it the best food I've ever eaten in Disney? No, but it's not bad. It's pretty It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're not, they're not serving them bad stuff. Like, the, MB, Disney wants to have a reputation for themselves, and they know that if a player is endorsing their, their time there, then they'll probably get more customers. Like, it's beneficial for Disney to provide them with good conditions as well as the NBA because they know the players are going to talk about it um, post having to stay there. And if, if the Disney provides the best uh, pres- uh, conditions they can, then NBA players are going to talk about it, essentially free advertising for Disney. Um, and so th- their living spaces are really not that bad. Again, they're not great. They may not be the multi-million dollar mansions that, they're, yeah. that they've become accustomed to, but uh, the situation they're in right now, especially the COVID part, the fact that they're in this bubble zone that's essentially free from COVID, you know, the rest of the world just doesn't have that right now. Um, and then we paid millions of dollars to be free from COVID. Just, just that concept alone, they should be thankful for. And it's just the fact that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of them, or a lot of them are thankful. I remember seeing, a, I think it was a comment from John Moran himself. John Moran's been in the news all over since uh, this bubble started. But um, he said, like, no matter what the conditions are, like, I'm thankful for where I'm at and, you know, so I'm not going to complain, which, which I think is the right to go. Like, don't even if it's bad. Like, why are you complaining? You're coming off as as you know you're entitled to having X, Y, and Z. When in reality, you're not. Um, it's just I don't know. It's incredible to me how they can complain again. Disney World is not a Motel Six. I've stayed in Motel Six. I stayed at the Grand Floridian. They're not the same uh, thing. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I want to know what goes through your mind when they're like, okay, I'm going to post this on Instagram because I think my followers are going to find it funny or something. The only way that I see anyone looking at that is entitled. And yeah. I just don't understand. Uh, the next thing, I'm going to leave the Rocket stuff for you, but Jimmy Butler was, I think he was called in the Schnitt hotline, but was dribbling in his hotel room, which isn't that bad, but I just figured I'd mention that. So do you want to yeah. get into the Rockets stuff? Sure, we got Rockets and really in this week. Interesting about the Jimmy Butler, he's like he was practicing post-practice in his hotel room, people complained. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's ready. He, he, uh, don't surprise the Heat take the take the first round of the playoffs by surprise. Who knows? 
Um, but moving on from that, Rockets, big news this week for the Rockets. I'll start with, I guess, the less controversial one. Uh, Russell Westbrook said he tested positive for coronavirus, and he's going to be heading to Disney, I believe, next week or the week after. Um, you know, thanks. Russell Westbrook's going to be fine, though. Guy's a tank. He's an absolute athlete. His body's in perfect condition, more or less, and I'm sure he'll be fine with coronavirus. Um, so, you know, it sucks to hear he has it, but again, he'll be fine. He'll be back ready to play within no time, I'm sure of it. Um, on, on the other hand, we have a little bit more of a controversial piece this week. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's controversial. It's just, like, interesting. So, uh, James Harden, I, rumor has it, I don't know if it's been confirmed that he had coronavirus, so he was a little late to Orlando. But he got to Orlando. Uh, during his first practice, he was wearing a mask. And apparently the mask was a Blue Lives Matter mask or uh, in support of the police police department. And, you know, obviously that people, I guess people see it as a contradiction to the Black Lives Matter movement. And people are not a big fan of the Blue Lives Matter movement. Um, and, you know, Harden got caught a lot of flack for it. People saying he's kind of a traitor. Um, you know, I've, I've seen worse than that. Not really going to delve into it, but, you know, pretty bad stuff at Harden. And Harden came out with, within a day and said, you know, I didn't even know that that was for Blue Lives Matter. I just like to look at the mask because it had, like, a skull on it and stuff. Um, and he said it covered his beard, most importantly. That's what he was looking for. And I guess that's what whoever gave it to him, you know, he didn't really question. He just wore it. And he wasn't trying to make a political statement. Um, I don't know. I kind of find it interesting. Um, personally, I want to say that James Harden kind of knew. I, I, I find it hard to believe that you put on... So, you know, with everything going on, everything in the news, it's like you don't know that's a Blue Lives Matter. You don't know that supports the police. Yeah. I feel like that's really hard to do. You know, maybe it's true, and I, I honestly don't know. But there's a part of me that wants to believe that he's lying. And he's just, he wants to test the waters because maybe he's, James Harden does support the police and he wanted to test the waters to see if I was to wear a mask like this, what would the reaction be? And maybe after seeing a negative reaction, he pulled it back and said, yeah, I didn't mean to wear that. I think that's a possibility too, but you know, I guess I'm just gonna have to go with James Harden's word and say that he didn't, he didn't know. Uh, interesting situation. Um, I just hate it. Like, and this is like totally opinion from here on out. Now it's just more speculation. It's more like my opinion. I hate how like the Blue Lives Matter movement, um, in comparison to like the Black Lives Matter movement in sports, like, why why does it have to be like a fight against it? Like, why can't somebody support the police just as equally? You know, I think it's possible to support both. You can support police lives, but you could also support Black Lives. I think you can do both. And the fact that, like, people want to bring this animosity and, like, trying to split the movements against each other, it doesn't really help anybody. You know, if you if you can have people that support both Blue Lives Matter as well as Black Lives Matter, I think you'll have a lot better world. You know, like, the unity between, between like, supporting both sides as well as, you know, coming together and finding solutions, like, I think that that's going to do a lot more for the world than, than if somebody wears a Blue Lives Matter mask to go yell at them, if somebody wears a black eyes masks to go yell at them like what good does that do at the end of the day um so that's just my two, two cents uh brian any comments about that <laughs> um not really i think yeah i, I mean it's, the it's one tough thing i do want to say is i do agree with like there's i find it hard that he didn't know what that was and i mean like you said everything's going on how i feel like they have to be pretty careful with what they do and maybe he was just testing the waters with I would think he was because I it's hard to not know stuff like that. Is that all you have yeah, to say? Uh yeah, yeah. I just think it's I don't know, it's a really interesting situation. I just understand like the instant hate towards him is just like that's awesome. I, I don't think it's it's not a good thing for anybody. You know, yeah, is is saying is saying that like you support the police really that controversial? Yeah. I feel like it's not. You know, you may disagree with maybe the stance in which he takes and sort of like 
you know, I, I'm sure that there's a ton of people who who would say, like, they support the police in contradiction to Black Lives Matter, and that's their sole purpose. Yeah. But somebody like if James Harden was doing it, obviously he's an African-American, it'd be weird for him to, like, tarnish the Black Lives Matter movement or try to contradict it. Yeah, um, I, I just find it like a really situation, really weird situation. It was like instant hate for no reason. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting, interesting situation. And we're gonna move on to baseball now. But I just want to say, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel, um, let us know. Like, you know, it's definitely an interesting situation. Um, do you think that you guys think James Harden knew? Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna get into baseball. Some interesting stuff. Well, I'll start with so baseball really started last night. There was exhibition games between the Mets and the Yankees. The Yankees ended up winning, um, which was a disappointment, obviously, but for me. Uh, but when it's an exhibition game, I'm more focused on the individual players. I'm not going to get into that because that's not really overall sports, but it was nice to see baseball back. A little weird, some of the things they did. Um, at City Field, they had cutouts. I'm not sure if Yankee Stadium's doing that, which is where the game is tonight. There was also uh, Nationals, Phillies, and I think tonight the Cubs and White Sox are also playing. Um, so they're trying to do, like specific areas where there's two teams well washington and philadelphia but whatever um it was so some of the stuff they did they had cutouts in the stands not all of the stands um but behind home plate probably for more like the visual and which the cutouts were not good at all i mean it didn't even look like fans sitting there the pictures were bad and then the dimensions of them they didn't look like they were sitting it was it was weird i mean I guess it's just more for the fans, but also a way to make money because they are charging a lot for them. I think it's for City Field, it's like 80-something dollars. And I don't know if you get to keep the cutouts at the end of the season. Uh, they also have decided, which I don't know when they decided this because I hadn't heard about it, but putting in like fake crowd noise and things like that. So when something good happened, there was cheering. And I brought the idea to my dad. Like, I wonder if they have like booing in it because there has to be someone in control of it. And... Like, if they have, like, let's say at City Field, like, Aaron Judge comes up. Or do they have, like, cheer, like, booing Aaron Judge? Or are they trying to be kind of neutral and stuff like that? It would be interesting if they, the uh, two sides to that, like. I would, I would love if they had booing. I, I, only, I only caught, like, a few minutes of the game last night, mm-hmm. especially because it's only an exhibition game. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't too concerned about it. But I did see the cutouts and then heard the crowd noises. I started cheering, but I didn't hear. I don't think I heard any booing. Yeah, would be. I'd love for them to have booing. That would be funny. There was one point where something happened and it sounded like it was like sarcastic cheering or like just like whining in the stands. So I don't know. But to me, when I was just like I was on my computer at one point, just like kind of listening to the game, and it sounded like a regular baseball game with like the crowd noise. So that was nice to see. And the players apparently had actually pretty much said they like it and would want it to be even louder which is interesting but one thing that they did bring up in the game is the players are used to um, using their fans to get excited for these games and with fake crowd noise obviously that's not going to get them pumped up or anything like that Uh, but also it's a shorter season so they don't have to be pumped up for as long Uh, I think that was really it they also had um Somewhat of social distancing in the dugouts. I don't know how much the players actually took to that. Some of them were wearing masks. Some of them weren't. The managers were wearing masks. The umpires, I'm pretty sure, were all, maybe except for one. I think the umpire behind home plate has to wear a mask of some sort. So I did see that. But that's really it. It was interesting to see how baseball is going to be running for the time being. Uh, but other than that, so 
kind of interesting. The Canadian government said that the Blue Jays are not allowed to play games in Toronto literally a week before the baseball season is supposed to start. I'm not sure why it took them this long to say anything because you'd think they'd already have that figured out and baseball would have had an agreement with Canada. But besides the point, the Blue Jays are now looking for a new home. I think the main reason that they're not allowed to play in there uh, is because of how bad certain cities, the coronavirus cases, have gotten really bad in certain cities like Florida. And Canada is doing pretty well at this point. They don't want teams from these certain states coming into Toronto or Toronto going to play in those certain states. I mean, the Blue Jays are going to have to play Atlanta, um, Tampa Bay, places in Florida. So they're worried about that. Well, Atlanta's not in Florida, but it's in Georgia. But down south, it's not doing. It's not going so good. So they're worried about that. So now the Blue Jays have to find a new home. It's either going to be Buffalo or they have their spring training facility in a city in Florida. I'm assuming it's not going to be Florida because it's just unsafe at this point. And they'll probably go to their Buffalo uh, stadium, which is one of their, trip, I think, AAA teams or just minor league teams. Uh, but the problem is there's not a lot of time to first get the facility up to how it's supposed to be before the season starts. And I wonder how they're going to do that because they haven't even decided where they're going to play. And they were also talking on the game last night. The Buffalo is a minor league facility and it's not really up to major league standards. So they have to really figure that out and figure it out quick because it's going to create a delay if they can so that's it with that. Like last week, I'm going to give some predictions. We did the NL East and AL East last week. This week, I'm going to do the NL and AL Central. So I guess I'll start with the AL Central. Um, once again, just like some background, these teams are going to have to face only the NL Central and AL Central. So for the AL Central, it's going to be 40 games against the Twins, White Sox, Indians, and Royals, and Tigers. And 20 games against the NL Central, which is the Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers, and Pirates. Looking at that, compared to uh, the NL East and AL East, the competition isn't going to be as uh, brutal. I mean, there's good teams in these divisions, but the NL East and also the AL East have a lot more, a lot better teams in their division, so that just creates a difference in schedule. But focusing more on the predictions, for the AL Central, I have it going Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, and Tigers. Um, the Tigers and Royals shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone. Uh, the Tigers have gotten a little better, but nothing crazy. Um, and so I still have them at the bottom of the division. For the top of the division, the Twins, I'm very high on them. They had a really good season last year. Uh, it ended badly. I mean, they were quickly taken out of the playoffs by the Yankees, but they added players like Josh Donaldson, um, who had a great season last year with Atlanta, and they also really helped their rotation with Kenta Maeda and Homer Bailey to go along with Jose Barrios, who's a really young ace for uh, the Twins. So I have them number one. Number two is a bit of a surprise for a lot of people, I'm sure. I have the White Sox over the Indians. Um, the White Sox have a lot of really good talent on their team. I mean, they have young talent in Juan Moncada, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his last name, Lucas Giolito, Aloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. Not to mention, they got they signed a lot of uh, veterans this offseason. Dallas Keiko, Gio Gonzalez, Yasmani Grandal, and Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, it seems like their rotation's pretty solid, and their lineup, 
I'm not so sure about their bullpen. I haven't. I guess I should do research on that. But um, I think they have it better than the Indians. The Indians front office seems to really be giving up on their core that they had. They traded away Corey Kluber, Francisco Lindor. They're trying. They've been trying to trade away for a while this offseason. So I don't know. They still have him, but I don't know how well he's actually going to play for them. Um, they still have Jose Ramirez, but Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. I don't really know how far they can really take them. And they also lost Corey Kluber, like I said. So that's really it. I have the Twins. Let me just go over it again. Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, and Tigers. Uh, now for the NL Central. The NL Central um, is a bit interesting. I have it going Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, and Pirates. Uh, the Cubs, I think are up there because they still have their talent that they've had for a while now, which has produced pretty good seasons except for last season. Uh, they have David Ross, who's their manager now. I think he's going to be a solid coach. Um, seems to get along with all the players, and I'm sure he has enough capability to be a sound manager when it comes to in-game managerial decisions. Uh, they still have their core of Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Javi Baez had an insane season last year, so I, I expect him to continue that. They still have you Darvish, who didn't have the greatest season last year, but I think he has the ability to bounce back. And now with the DH uh, being universal, they can use Kyle Schwarber as a DH and not have his defensive liabilities and just have his offense, which is very good. Um, next up is the Reds. The Reds, I'm sure, is a surprise for a lot of people. The Reds, um, over these past two two seasons, they've done very well in the offseason. Uh, they have, in the rotation, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. Um, they signed Mike Moustakis and Nick Castellanos, who join a lineup that has Eugenio Suarez and Aristides, Aristides Aquino. Um, so, obviously, their lineup and rotation is pretty solid, and their bullpen is also very good. Uh, it's, they have, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Russell Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen, and they've added other pieces. And a bull, to have a strong bullpen is very important, especially in a 60-game season, um, just to really help the rotation out. After that, the Cardinals, a lot of people have the Cardinals going number one this year, but I don't really see it. They have talent on the team, but their talent's getting old. Um, just some names. Hold on. I have this pulled up. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt, they signed last season. They expected him a much better season. He didn't have the greatest season. Um, Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter are getting older. So is Yadier Molina. Um, I just don't really see them having that great of a season. That's just my opinion. There's no one there that really excites me. So that's where I'm going to leave them. Uh, the Brewers, that's also a surprise. I mean, they have the former MVP and Christian Yelich. So you'd think they'd be better, but... Other than Christian Yelich, they don't really have a lot of pieces. Uh, this offseason, they lost Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Eric Thames. Um, they added some interesting players in Justin Smoke, Eric Sogard, uh, Brock Colt. But besides Christian Yelich, there's really no one on that team that makes me want to put them ahead of the Cardinals, Reds, or Cubs. There's just not a lot of excitement there. Uh, last but not least, or least, I mean, the Pirates... Their front office has given up on their core that they had. Um, I mean, there's also no one on the Pirates that I really am excited about. 
and that's why I had them number five. There's just no one, and it's going to be another bad season for the Pirates, unfortunately. Uh, I think that's it for baseball. Let me just check. Yeah, um, not much more. Next week will be more predictions. And also, I mean, the season would have started already, so that's exciting. Um, going into college stuff now. Uh, sure, yeah. With college stuff, um, slightly news, but not really. Um, just more changes going on. Um, you know, there's more cancellations. I'd say, I think, again, the NCAA needs to come out with, I think, I think the NCAA should either say all teams, all conferences have to play X or they don't play. Um, in particular, uh, Villanova, obviously, I go there. Um, our, the CAA, which is the conference that our football team plays in, uh, canceled the football season, which I was hoping that they, last week they went to conference only, and then this week they decided on canceling the season entirely, which really stinks, gives me less to do while I'm there, but, um, you know, I just think it's, like, it's weird how, like, some conferences are canceling, some are playing conference only, some are, are normal, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me that the NCAA hasn't came out and given the ruling for all the conferences, I'm hoping they do at some point, it's just a matter of when, I guess, um, to give gui- better guidelines, but we'll have to see what happens, um, on that, that's kind of all the college news for this week. Alright, um, I guess that really ends this week's podcast. Any uh, final thoughts, Nick? Um, not much. I'm just excited to see sports return. You know, the NBA is coming back this week. The MLB returned this week, even though there's exhibition games for now. Um, but the fact that we're going to have, you know, real NBA games next week is, is pretty exciting. Or I guess is it two weeks or this week? I forget. I think it's July 31st. Yeah, July 31st. So it's, I guess, two weeks from now, technically. Um, and I'm just excited to, to have sports back. Pretty exciting. Um, other than that, um, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, please leave them by my email at nicholas4bath10 at yahoo.com. Um, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to head over to Brian. See you guys next week. Yeah, I mean, if everything goes as planned, there quickly sports is going to pick back up. Um, hockey's supposed to start, I think, August, beginning of August, so I mean, you'll have NBA, NHL, and baseball going on at the same time, which doesn't happen, um, and then football starts shortly, unless something happens, which I hope nothing does, uh, but it's really exciting to see sports back, and it gives us a lot to talk about, which is nice, I mean, these past few months, just focused on, if we're focusing on the sport universe, there hasn't been much to talk about, uh, so it'll be nice to have that. Other than that, not much else going on. I am still working, which is nice. But I talked about that last week, so I'm not going to talk about it again. So we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this. Um, You can DM us. Check out our videos on YouTube. There's a Derek Jeter highlight video coming out on Tuesday. And NBA Bubble, where I go over all the scandals, is going to be coming out on Sunday. So probably tomorrow. Um, so keep an eye out for those things. Check out our articles. Check out our POVs on our Instagram. If you're a Mets fan, follow the Met Universe on Instagram. You can follow us on TikTok as well. But other than that, if you're interested in writing or editing videos for us or anything where you think you can help contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.